0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you can't trust County.
1: Well, Stu, where do we even begin? (laughs) (laughs) Because <laughs> I just we have so much to get through right now that I'm it's very daunting. First and foremost, let's just say I'm gonna say to you, welcome back, Stu, and welcome back to everybody to season two of Creep Time, the podcast.
0: Woo! We're oh. here. <laughs> I hope that intro
1: song was everything they wanted, right?
0: Oh, I hope it was everything they wanted, especially, well, fingers crossed, the cackling of County, the
1: cackling. <laughs> the cackling <laughs> the cackling. also add that to the the cackling of county, cackling of county
0: that it came through that it did it the did the cover art too to the cover art oh my god
1: but can we talk about the trauma of all the revisions for the cover art <laughs> just the therapy not without getting into too much detail just it was such a process I'm gonna need time off.
0: You. Did I know we're some starting magic. the season,
1: but I'll need time off.
0: You did some magic. I gotta pull back the curtain just a little bit. Creepers. Do it. We had a rough go of it with that first kind of round of what that illustration looked like, and Silas legitimately turned into a. I don't know if you went to Adobe boot camp or whatever you did, but you actually <laughs> made it look like us because. <laughs> I was looking like the Flatwoods monster in the first (laughs) first (laughs) (laughs) edition.
1: One day, like I said, one day (sighs) we're going to reveal what the first revisions of the cover art looked like so people can actually die. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, I can't take all the credit for it because I definitely worked with some illustrators to help. But like I, I went in there and like did the fine tuning for sure. I'm just happy that it worked out and that it looks like us, because
0: nobody knows what we look like more than us, right? Right. I I mean, it it looks it's night and day from like the first go of it. The first one was
1: was something <laughs> something of the devil's. That was something so dark sided. I shudder to think. I know. <laughs> what, but what I feel happened? like
0: I feel like you got like you captured. Of course, like it now looks more like us. But I feel like you captured the whole vibe of like the backwoods stories that we really started mm. with. And then there's also some supernatural and I don't know. It just, you it's, captured it's, the whole vibe. It all kind of like ties together. Yeah.
1: Thank you. Thank you. So that, mean, that means a lot to me. I'm so, so happy with how it turned out. And I feel like it's the best representation of creep time, the podcast,
2: I but truly yourself, I, but... I
1: will be needing therapy. They So far they do so far. They're like, Holy shit. I'm going to have to swear for it. They're like, Holy yeah. shit. It looks so great. So, We're very excited, and what a great way to start off this huge premiere episode, because the only people who know what we're doing, if you remember, are the premium subscribers because (gasps) we revealed the case early. So for everybody, I mean, I'm sure if you clicked on the episode, you've seen the title, but we are covering the insidious case of Casey Anthony. More importantly, it is the story of Kaylee Anthony, but Casey really is the chief suspect here and who we're going to focus on for the majority of the story. So if there is any episode out there that Nancy Grace could ever listen to, <laughs> Lord let it be this.
0: <laughs> I am Lord. so I am so shocked that you didn't just do it in her voice. I'm a little taken aback. I
1: was going to I was going <laughs> to tee it up to you. I was going to say, "And Sue, would you mind kicking us off with a little Nancy for Casey Anthony?"
0: <laughs> <clears throat> okay, I got to stretch.
1: Warm up. Get yourself warm.
0: Casey Anthony, <laughs> <laughs> you do it so much better than me. But that is well, my... I gotta hold the mic like yeah, 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 ten yeah. feet
1: away. <laughs> I mean that 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 gave me a good point of reference. Hold on,
2: Mm-mm. Mm.
1: <laughs> give me a second. <laughs> Casey Anthony is a murder. You, you gave me a great jump-off sentence for the Carl Tansler episode because you said
0: "Hey, put
1: a tube," and that is actually the way that I get into
0: it. I, okay. <laughs> uh, your placement, the vocal technique you're using to get to the K, like the guy, that I'm, um, I'm so impressed.
1: I'm mixing. I know it's, you're it's literally mix mixing. I, I'm cut. It's too. <laughs> Oh, man, I'm going to keep going because I know we've got so much to get into. But come on. Like, we would be remiss if we didn't do a little Nancy to get into the Casey Anthony case. Well, actually, I should ask you before we jump into it. Do you actually remember when this case hit the news? Like, how firm is your memory of this?
0: Okay. So I know I've told you that I really only know like the top line. I don't remember. I know that this is one of those cases very much like, you know, OJ Simpson or trying to think of other like Mm -hmm. famous verdicts that were read, but like, I I wrote that
1: right in my, my notes. I was like, this is comparable to OJ Simpson, a modern day OJ Simpson.
0: It's one of those cases where like you, oh, like Michael Jackson, I kind of think of a, like a famous verdict Mm -hmm. reading, like, you know, where you were when the Casey Anthony verdict was read. I don't remember where I was. Like, I don't know why it wasn't so much on my radar, but we were young
1: at the time. We were young. I mean, yeah. I don't remember it either. That's the weird thing. I do remember like, obviously it being a part of the news cycle, but I don't know where I was when the verdict was read because I think we, this was, well, let me think. The case happened in 2008, but the verdict actually doesn't come for years after until 2011. So We were still young, but yeah, I don't remember this being like a topic of conversation with friends. I don't remember seeing it on television live like people watched.
0: Yeah, I guess we were like in high school and maybe we were just so focused on graduating and getting into college or something. But I I literally don't remember it being on my radar other than like briefly seeing it on the news every now and then.
1: So you're kind of go. I mean, I've got a lot to unveil for you. I know it's it is quite an insidious case. It's a huge case, but it is really, really gnarly what happened here. And just as all cases are very senseless, but there is something about her story, especially going through and finally like doing this research and getting into the nitty gritty of it, where I'm I was like enwrapped every step of it for how shockingly obvious is the only phrase I can think to say Mm -hmm. it is it's shockingly obvious, (sighs) but for some people, maybe not, which is also strange.
0: Well, uh, and from what I remember uh, before we get into it, I feel like there was the element where she her parents kind of always backed her up. And maybe that's just like blind parenting. Like you're trying to just you you don't want to believe like your kid could have ever done something like this. But I feel like that was the yeah. only, one of the only things I kind of remember is that her parents continued to try to have her back during all of this. And if they hadn't Which is been strange because she
1: did not return that. I right. mean, that was a huge part of her defense was like coming out against them. Yeah. But also they're kind of wavering on that. And it's it's interesting when I get into the actual timeline because in the beginning of the case, it's actually the opposite where they're kind of on board with you know targeting Casey Anthony to be like, "Where is Kaylee?" But by the time everything unfolds, yes, they completely back her up to the point where it looks like they're taking the fall for some things that they very obviously did not do, nor were they a part of. so it's it's a little strange there, like the psychology behind why the parents might have done what they did or if that actually spells something that some people suggest, which is innocence of yeah. Casey Anthony. Yeah. I do not know if... I i have a huge disclaimer that I'm going to give later on, but, like, <laughs> I certainly don't know if I can believe that Casey Anthony is innocent in this. In fact, I just outright don't. But it certainly supports some of the other arguments to say that the Anthonys, like Cindy and George, might have known more than what they let on.
2: mm mm Mm-mm-mm.
0: mm mm <laughs> Mm-mm. I am so excited to, to learn more about this case. I feel like I am so in the dark on a huge part of true crime lore and like culture. And I'm about to get educated.
1: Well, baby, I mean, I could not have picked a better case <laughs> for the season two premiere. But I, like I said, before we get into it, I do have a lot of admin to get through. And I just want to say before we even get into talking about Vegas, let me just address I'm going to address something up front. I think we should do this now just so nobody misses out. It, hopefully they haven't skipped through this because we don't want them to miss out on it. But to celebrate the season two premiere, Stu and I have decided that we want to give back to a creeper. And we just want to thank you guys for how supportive and engaged you are. And just like truly what good friends you've been to the podcast and You've sat down with us, you've planned or you've sat down with us and you've, you know, gone through these episodes week after week. So we have come up with something. It's an idea. And <laughs> We wanted to launch it on the season two premiere on the next episode of Creep Time, the podcast. This will be the second episode of our second season. We are going to be selecting at random one of our current premium subscribers who will win a year's worth of premium access to Creep Time for free. So this means that you could win a full 12 months fully paid courtesy of Salas and Stu of premium access to all of the premium episodes as well as our existing episodes and future episodes over the next year completely ad-free. And you might also get a bonus surprise from Stu and I. I thought I heard the ice cream truck and I was like, (laughs) it's right on time. (laughs) Unfortunately, it was a siren and not the ice cream truck. Your
0: eyes just (laughs) lit up so wide. (laughs)
1: Can you hear this in the background right now?
0: I can hear the siren. Maybe not. Very faintly. It's not. It's not like our Very, ice cream truck. He's not stealing not, the show. Like the same.
1: He'll be here. Sure enough, I didn't. I don't think I heard him last night, actually. But yeah, contest everybody. So if you're a current premium subscriber, you are automatically entered. There is absolutely nothing you have to do. We will be randomly selecting one lucky winner who will win twelve months of Creep Time Premium, fully paid for. All of those episodes are yours. And that's gonna be announced next week. We love a contest. Woohoo. I love it.
0: And y'all get to save, what would that be? Like close to a hundred bucks? Put put that towards More your, than your bucks. Uber Eats, baby.
1: When you're listening to Creeptown. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, are we are we sponsored by Uber Eats? Oh God. <laughs> or or your DoorDash.
2: <laughs> or your
0: DoorDash.
1: Or, or your Grubhub, whatever. Now, we also have a shout-out to give... Oh, I'm so excited for this. Okay. I have to apologize because, again, we were supposed to do this and I was supposed to lead it like two episodes ago. I got caught up in the case. So this is a shout-out for Tales from the Break Room, this phenomenal podcast. And they were so kind to shout us out. So we wanted to do the same, return the favor, give them their flowers for truly, truly a job well done. I could riff about this podcast freestyle, but I figured... I would do my due diligence here and really read the copy that they sent over verbatim um, just because it, I read through it with you. And it just like perfectly describes why you should go check them out and give them a listen. And again, it's called Tales from the Break Room. <clears throat> so I'll give it my spookiest voice I can. <laughs> now, what's the scariest thing that's happened to you at work? Don't miss the podcast Tales from the Break Room, where real people share their most terrifying and strange encounters that happened at work. You'll hear stories about stalkers in retail, bizarre happenings in Forest Service, security guards' most disturbing experiences, and more. With Tales from the Break Room, you'll find your favorite flavor of terror. You can even send in your own scary work experiences to possibly be narrated. We sure as hell should do that, you and I, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Stu. Because we have, we could launch our own version of this. (laughs) You can follow and listen to Tales from the Break Room on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite podcast app. Or just go to the eeriecast.com website for loads of free terrifying podcasts. Because they actually have a whole collection of fantastic podcasts. So, guys, please go check them out. On behalf of myself and Stu, they are just wildly talented folks over there. And they have a fantastic network. And I cannot recommend this podcast enough. So thanks again for shouting out Creep Town the podcast, y'all.
0: That Can I just say, that's such a creative idea.
1: Isn't it so good?
0: Because work is already scary for a lot of people. (laughs) And to kind of take that idea and flip it on its head and kind of really actually be literal about it, I think is really brilliant.
1: Something about spooky work stories in places that are heavily trafficked by, like, where people from the outside come in, like, retail, something about that is scary. Yeah. It's inherently scary. It's like... It's all – you ever see, like, those Mr. Nightmare stories about, like, a stranger inside Chuck E. Cheese kind of thing? Like, public businesses Mm -hmm. where, like, somebody's lurking late at night? Yeah. It's freaky.
0: Or, like, closing up shop and realizing there's somebody still in the store.
1: Forget it. Forget (laughs) it. I I wrote a fictional story, like, a year ago about a woman who worked in Nordstrom. And she went to go, like, lock up and was, like, going to check the dressing room on her floor and saw feet at the bottom of one of the – I I wrote this and I like scared myself.
0: This oh way. my god.
1: <laughs> but then she like tries to like knock and get them out, but nobody answers. So she opens the door and there's nobody there. Stop. But
0: <laughs> meanwhile, it's me story. clinging to the ceiling with like three Prada bags. <laughs> Hiding no It's Spider-Man middle school Man us style.
1: sobbing. <laughs> <laughs> We're
2: sobbing. <laughs>
1: I also gotta say, like the people at um from Tales from the Break Room, like who reached out, so so nice. And I I just kind of like dawned on me yesterday when I was thinking about this and like gearing up for this episode. I'm like, you know, for a genre and an industry, true crime that is so much about evil and despair and just horrific people. You really do find, like, the kindest, most wonderful, warm people in this community. <laughs> like, every creator that I've, like, worked with in this genre or that I've met, that I've seen at, like, Parapod Festival, just, like, the nicest people. Like, genuinely the sweetest people.
0: You know, I'm not even that surprised by that because I think to have an interest in this kind of stuff, you have to be, like, a probably a pretty empathetic or emotionally curious person about like Mm. why people do what they do and like seeking to understand that I think requires a little bit of empathy and um, I don't know kindness to a certain extent because you're going out of your way to try to understand some pretty horrific people and things.
1: That's a really good way to, to actually, to phrase. I hadn't thought about it like that, but yeah, that is kind of what everyone listens to it for. You're emotionally curious. You're trying to understand the villain in a strange way and not in a way to empathize with them, but just in a way to understand that kind of evil while mm-hmm. also empathizing or sympathizing with victims. It's a very, there's a lot of things going on when people listen to true crime. It's true. a lot not going on up in the noggin. <laughs> it's, it's true. <laughs> okay. And now that we've talked about that, Stu, can you please kick us off? Just like start from the top about Vegas. Like, I know I like, if you want to listen to the Vegas stuff, like, Please do, because we had a lot of experiences there. Um, but also, I know that you probably want to get to the episode. I'm sure I'll put a timestamp somewhere. But we have lots of recommendations for you guys from Sin City. Is that what people call it? Sin City? Sin City. I make that
0: up? Well, first of all, can we address the elephant in the room, which is that? The <laughs> I didn't hackery? think you'd call
1: me out like that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the hackery that happened. Have you heard about this? You mean it? We're about to have a wait, whole in alien Vegas? episode thing happen again. Yes, in Vegas. They got oh, hacked. The- wait, who got hacked? The MGM.
1: What? <laughs> 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 what? I was like, you cannot take me back here. <laughs> <I>
0: <laughs> you cannot take me back to The damn this thing happened. I should have touched you. I thought I was you. going
1: back in time for a second. I was like,
0: the aliens. <laughs> Literally today, I was reading about, apparently Vegas about? is like under... Hacker attack right now! Like MGM, Caesars, all their machines. Like you would go up to the machine that no. says like error message, like not working. They got totally hacked. All the big I the Bellagio, all the places we went. So I was like, "What did we not do?" Not the Bellagio. I was like, what did we do?
1: <laughs> Dang! Yes, that's so scary that like those machines are that vulnerable to being manipulated.
0: Well, I think the thing is they usually aren't. So it's like. This is some this is big. Like they're under major cybersecurity attack.
1: What a nightmare for a casino. Like, what a nightmare if you took a trip there. Totally. I guess just play like table games.
0: Well, I don't know what you and I would have done. Well, actually, no. I <laughs> guess we would have just played the table games. We only did the slots for like, a little bit, but
1: <laughs> I was like, girl, I didn't touch a single did I touch a slot? I don't remember. You touched the slots. slots. There's a, there's a right few before I we remember. left. Can't, right
0: before we left. Remember, we're sitting <laughs> we're waiting for our Uber, and you just whip out like a five and you're like, go ahead and use it. <laughs> and we played the slots <sighs> waiting for our Uber.
1: <laughs> what a dark hour. Can we talk about how I, I want you to break down the high roller, high-stakes, Texas Hold'em, <laughs> poker at the Bellagio scandal, please? Oh. We
2: took it all. We brought them to our land. <laughs> An endless night, ember hot and icy cold, the rage of the earth. We made this curse, carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the
0: end, what will I become?
2: Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass.
0: Oh my God. Okay, so creepers. It was a scandal. An absolute <laughs> Set up the scene. scandal. Where, where do
1: we go? First night there.
0: First night there. I am coming in hot. I've told Silas I'm like I grew up playing Texas Hold'em with my family. We would sit around. Mm. We had legitimate poker chips. I grew up in a big family, so it was intense. We had poker faces. Like I knew what the damn river and flop were when I was like 9 years old. <laughs> like like so I'm like I am ready. I was like I am not going to bet on any game except I will do Texas Hold'em. So, of course, we go to the Bellagio, which was stunning, by the way.
1: Fabulous. Fabulous. Those first couple of drinks we had with, I keep saying her name's Dolores. I don't know if her name was Dolores, our bartender.
0: Either Debbie or Dolores. And we went to Petrosian, like the little mini Petrosian inside the Bellagio, which is just like so beautiful. Divine. But anyways, we've got a couple drinks in us at this point. And I'm like, I'm going to play Texas Hold'em. And you're like, okay. And so, at the Bellagio, which is, like, one of the nicer casinos, I put my name down for the waitlist. And I'm just thinking it's going to be, like, a table game, just like when you were playing blackjack. Like, pretty, like, anybody can walk up. Anybody can play.
1: mm 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 -mm.
0: Oh, no, no, baby.
1: Ma'am, right (laughs) to the high stakes, high bet only area. We weren't, I have to, like, reiterate, like, we weren't in, like, the area with the slots and the normal table games. <laughs> Stu went right into the private, high bet only area and put her name on a list.
0: I, I still, you even <laughs> saying that back to me. I'm like, what was I thinking? But I, I truly, you were I don't feeling good. I you, knew. I don't think I realized that it was like the high bet room or like the legitimate poker room like i really just we definitely
1: knew what the minimum bet was but i also i didn't know that either i was like we know what the minimum bet is so i'm like maybe that's just normal because i've never played texas hold'em so i i wouldn't know anything and you had such confidence walking in that i believed anything you told me
0: i was (laughs) was like like, what did i keep saying i was like
1: oh i'll I'll tell you that first of all i know you were feeling it you were feeling yourself a little (laughs) bit you can't if i could paint the picture for you guys i'm sure you've seen pictures but Stu came in Looking hot as hell Tight ass corset Wearing glasses indoors It's Mm 11pm We sit down They're like Okay you're on the wait list You can take a seat At this empty table Inside like the high bet area Where people are just like There's a lot of money Moving around And you just like Looked around With your drink And you turned to me And you said I'm about to sweep (laughs) You went You you said something To the effect Where you were like They're not gonna know What hit them like, they're like, they're don't, they don't even know what's about to sit down at that table. And I believed every second of what you said. So then when they called you over, they were like, table reserved for Miss Stew," And you went, Mm-mm. let's go get it, baby. And I followed you over with a camera in my lap. You took a seat right at that table. And guys, let me just tell you. When Stu came up, I showed up behind her because I was allowed to sit behind her like a bodyguard. She sits down at the table, sunglasses on, <laughs> just, and just takes a, a quiet look around. They were shook. They, they were like, she's about to destroy this table. They were messed up.
0: And the only thing I destroyed was my bank account. And the only thing I swept <laughs> were the floors that evening because I lost all my money within six hands six seven hands but
1: i didn't know what was going on baby i just know there was like i think we put 300 in or something something like that something like that or
0: or maybe it was 150
1: something i remember i remember a couple hundred was taken
0: out a couple hundred (laughs) and creepers i sat down at this table and it was like Uh, You know, people like guys with one AirPod in like not looking up like everything was moving so fast. I didn't even stacks of chips, huge
1: amounts of chips, like like tens of thousands of dollars, 20
0: grand. The guy next to me had like 20 grand and the guy next to him had double that. And I remember sitting down going, oh, no, no, oh, no, 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 no. This is not this is not going to be good. (laughs)
1: <laughs> but when they break down your money into, like, chips, it just lo- it looks really tiny. <laughs> so, like, $150 could be, like, four chips, depending upon how they break it out.
0: Totally. So you showed up with, like, a tiny little
1: stack of chips.
0: <laughs> the tiniest stack. And they were moving so fast that I didn't even have time to think. Like, I would look at my cards and I... The only thing I kept saying to myself was like, okay, just fold, just fold, just fold because you'll stick around long enough until your blind is gone. <laughs> Creepers, it was, I do have to say, I have to pat myself on the back. I didn't break.
1: You should. No, you did not. I
0: didn't break. You I did didn't not. go, oh my God. I was like, okay, I'm going to make these guys believe that I belong here. I mean, that
1: would have been, that would have been terrible. <laughs> <laughs> you, just,
0: you just went, oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you would have had to escort you away. <laughs>
0: But damn did I try. I did try. And I lost it. You all. did.
1: I just it it seemed like what was probably several minutes, seemed like forty-five seconds. <laughs> it and really I did. wasn't sure what was going on <laughs> because a lot of things were just moving very fast. And then all of a sudden, all your chips went away. And you just hurt you swiveled around to me in the swivel chair and you went. I'm done. <laughs> you, said, you said, I'm done. And you stood up and we walked out together. And I said, we can win it back. We'll win it back.
0: <laughs> I'm actually crying. Oh my God.
1: That was such a perfect entrance to the Bellagio to it Vegas for so you That was So perfect for Vegas.
0: <laughs> it was so humbling. Let me tell you. That was so humbling.
1: But we were up after that because we played Blackjack right after. Yeah, we were your up ass like 150 bucks. Well, uh, I mean, I know a thing or two. I like to say I, I know a thing or two about Blackjack. I certainly do not, as I've told you. You knew from something. my...
0: You knew something when we were there.
1: Not the following (laughs) night. I did not know a damn thing.
0: (laughs) Well, Friday, you hit the ground running. You made that money back so fast.
1: Well, because blackjack is really fast. Mm -hmm. That's the thing. Like, it's so crazy. You could go up to a blackjack table. Do not do this. And you could throw down a hundred bucks. And in 11 seconds, you're up another hundred dollars. Like, it's that fast. Or you're down as I certainly was the following night, because we, <laughs> we'll we talk about the following night, but we came back to our place, The Horseshoe, which was fabulous. Um, Dita Von Teese is performing there. Go see her. Ugh. And we, it was so late after we got back from all the things we were doing that night. Um, we'd been drinking. You're like, I'm going to go to bed. And I was like, I'm going to stay down and play one round of blackjack. And I knew. Stu. That was the one of the last things I remember of that night. (laughs) It was one of the last things. I sat down at the table and the rest was kind of like a shaky. It was like the butterfly effect. Like my world was like wobbling. (laughs) And then I just remember seeing the cashier at a certain point because I had burned through all the money I had. So I was taking out more money. And she came up to me or I went up to her and she was like, I hoped I wouldn't see you again. Good luck. Was she real? No. Was she a real person?
0: No one in Vegas <laughs> the waitress? is real. It's all a simulation. They're not.
1: They're not real. <laughs> that is Westworld out the ass. It really is. The waitress who came up to me and she goes, it's like 4 a.m. And I'm down several hundred dollars and like very sad. And she goes, what can I get you to drink? And I was like, "What do you have that sweet? And she goes, a Mai Tai? <laughs> <laughs> I had one eye open. I said. Yeah, yeah, that's it. You (laughs) couldn't
0: pay me to have a Mai Tai at four in the morning.
1: I'd I'd never had
0: one. (laughs) You were like, when in Vegas?
1: (laughs) (laughs) I just, I just, I was willing to agree to anything because nothing was going my way. But then, damn, was that money out. And the next morning, we had a lovely breakfast. Should we talk about what we did that night? Yes. Saturday night. Start from the beginning, Pipey.
0: Well, we had a fabulous dinner at Smith and Walensky's. That was
1: divine.
0: Insane. So, so good. And I'm not even like a big steak girly. And that was one of the best things I've ever eaten in my life. Like melt in your mouth.
1: Your steak, especially, was fabulous. What was it? Dang.
0: I think I just had a wagyu. Hold on. Oh, uh, yeah. It was wagyu, which I had never had in my life um
2: i had just filet mignon i think i just had a a,
0: their filet mignon their regular filet mignon and it was one of the best things i've ever had in my life
1: that steak tartare that we had which sound like i wasn't i didn't know if i was on board for a steak tartare but like i wanted to try it because it was recommended but like it sounds strange to me delicious it was delicious
0: do you eat red meat like not normally? usually, yeah, actually. N- neither do like, I. I
1: usually stick to chicken and fish. Like it's a. Spe- if I'm having a steak, it's at a restaurant or somebody else has made it for me. Like I'm, I'm not out here making a steak yeah. very often.
0: Same here. I re- I very rarely have red meat, and that was between the steak and then the steak tartare, which in theory I was kind of like, oh gosh, that might upset my stomach. It was absolutely no. divine. Everything they served was like one of the most delicious things i had ever had and maybe that's just because i've been too. having a lot of Me girl too. dinners recently <laughs> but i was like wow girl dinner. yeah
1: i know i know we were also really well taken care of i must say like they they were so kind to us they sat us in a beautiful well okay can we just clarify where it actually was again because i don't think i clocked where it is because we were lost trying to find it it was
0: at the um <laughs> was the, it
1: in the venetian the
0: venetian yeah it was in the venetian
1: Okay, it was in the Venetian and it overlooked the canal. Yes. Yeah, the Venetian yes. canal that runs inside. So it's inside because we we went through hell trying to find the place and we must have asked at least 10 people, yeah. all of which had a different answer as to where it was. Like people who work in the building. They're like, you're going to want to go over to the next, the next resort. And I'm like, are you sure? Are we sure about this?
0: And you know what I realized now looking back on it? It must be impossible to have a sense of direction living there or working mm. there. I mean,
1: maybe, yeah, maybe you really just know and stick to your territory. But when we did find it, it was like heaven's gates had opened. And like I said, they sat us in like a private dining area. We had the best wait staff. I mean, could not have asked for a more knowledgeable, a kinder server. He was just fantastic. And that was only the beginning of the night because then we had to wrap up dinner And we had to make our way over to Pier 17, which if you don't know what Pier 17 is, because I didn't, we were going to go see Absinthe later that night. I'll get That's a whole other thing in a second. But before we went to Absinthe, shout out to Reed for taking care of us. He brought us over to Pier 17, which is like the speakeasy that's right outside of the Absinthe tent outside of Caesar's Palace. Fabulous drinks. You got champagne. You were a champagne girly all night. I was
0: champagne girly all night.
1: I got unicorn juice.
0: I remember. I was gonna say. I know you got something. This was funky. this was the
1: first omen. This was the first omen where I was like, the my time was gonna come <laughs> later that night. I was like, yes, I want unicorn juice. Absolutely, I do. I'm joking,
0: you were on an exotic vibe, baby.
1: It was so fun, though. I mean, what a perfect like treat to have right before we went into the tent. Did you have any idea what you were getting into? Did you know?
0: Can I just say, us reminiscing about this, I'm like literally emotional. It, those were some of the best memories of my life that I will take with me because first time such in Vegas, an
1: amazing weekend has
0: already got to be like such a insane memory for any human to have. But like the way that you, we did it up was just the best. Um so sorry i
1: wanted you to have such a good time oh no i'm God. so happy You planned you such a great everything you weekend. planned
0: like i just like the best memories with you like it was just so much fun um
1: oh, that makes me
0: so happy but the moments like when we were in pier 17 and then reed was telling mm-hmm. us like about his life and how he had actually been a performer and then getting like to go into the tent going into the tent i was like oh it's Vegas. This
1: is the absinthe. For anyone who doesn't know, this is the absinthe tent outside of Caesar's Palace. It's right. one of the, like, the most coveted circus shows that you can see. That was... Because I, I it's my first time seeing it too. But going in, I, my stomach dropped because I was like, we're about to see something. something. We're about to see something.
0: And our waiter at Smith & Walensky's had said, get ready. It's one of my favorite shows. It's a little bit raunchy, <sighs> but the talent is amazing. And I was like, that is our vibe. <laughs> so... And it did not... I mean, it lived up to everything that I was thinking it might be or could be.
1: Could not have been a better... Like, it was perfect. We were really well taken care of in there. Our, shout out to our lovely waitress in there. because yes. We had some premier seating because we were on a table that they... the Like, performers go on. So, also, me trying to take a video of that <gasps> and accidentally doing an upskirt Literally, shot.
0: Literally, me too. That's exactly what I did. I was like, this poor woman. I'm, like, filming myself being so excited and I'm... Fully doing an upskirt shot of her.
1: I'm sure that happens three three times a day at that show. It's. Cr- I didn't realize they had a dual cast for that show. I learned that because we got to meet the cast they after or a couple of them. Yeah, that's what, that's what she said. I was like, I can't believe you guys do this three times a day. She was like, well, only two. There's an alternate cast. It's three so they have
0: performances a-, a day? Yes.
1: I think every single day of the week.
0: Oh, my God. I didn't realize that.
1: Well, I mean, here's the thing about going to see that show is like in that space, because I've seen I've seen a show every time I've gone to Vegas. This was by far the best show I've seen. Absinthe was the best because you go into the tent, there's not a bad seat in the house. Mm-mm. Cause it's it's intimate. Like I've seen Cirque shows where I've been like having to squint because and I love Cirque, but I'm like, I can't really see what's going on. You don't miss any of the action because it's up in your
0: face. And the audience. Like interactions that they do are so damn funny. Like that, the it was like improv
1: the, queens, really
0: improv queens, and the balance of humor, raunch, and just talent was insane. Like, and I'm not really somebody that like I think if you give me on a platter, like, would you rather see a circus show or like some very intimate, like, acoustic concert or something? I probably would pick the intimate thing. That mm-hmm. was. Like, that was art. And I know that it's super raunchy and some people would probably no, it really be like, was, I mean, though. it was crazy amazing. Like, something I had never seen in all my years of, like, going to theater and performances.
1: That's the exact way to put it. It's, like, something that you won't see anywhere else. Because I've seen a lot of circus. Like I said, I, I'm the opposite of you. When I hear, like, acoustic concert versus circus, I'm like, bring on the clowns! Yeah. I love a circus. I just, I love that. I've seen, and I've seen circuses at like fairs and traveling shows, but like something about this, Vegas does circus so well because it's, it's elevated circus. You know what I mean? It's spectacle. You're going to see the most amazing acrobatics and tricks, but you are going to get very well-crafted humor and bits and a flow to a show. And it was burlesque. It was spectacle. It was magical. I loved it. Every second of it. Mm. I was so happy that we got to see that you have no idea how much that meant to me that like we got to see that together for the first time oh my god
0: it's so fun if you if you're in
1: vegas guys i'm telling you like you're not gonna have a bad time at absinthe you're gonna have a, and they do shows at 11 p.m which is kind of rare because most shows in vegas are 7 30 and 9 p.m absinthe does i think 7 9 and 11 so you can catch them for the late show
0: I cannot imagine what that late show is like, knowing that we went to the middle one. The late show must be ridiculous. <laughs> In the best, way. I
1: well, you know where we were during that time. We were trying to get into Omnia. We were <laughs> trying to get into <laughs> Omnia. This is foul. I can't talk about this. I know I brought it we, up. We but can't do
0: it. We can't do it.
1: I'll just say, needless. We did not get into Omnia. <laughs> You're lost, Omnia. <laughs>
0: Humbled, real Maybe quick. Maybe next
1: time. <laughs> so so quick, riding on that high. We were just drinking too much. Yeah, I was, but had a fabulous night, and then I lost all the money. The next morning, what could be better to cure a hangover than Cassie's beach house?
0: Honest to God, that Cassie's beach house is like somewhere I will definitely go back. Because first of all, the Virgin you were living.
1: You were living in oh, the Virgin I Hotel. I, I could tell you were like. Mm, I'm into this This
0: like it, it's I feel like now that I'm a Las Vegas uh, aficionado apparently, you're a seasoned girl I'm a seasoned you're girl seasoned. for my two days there but I feel like <laughs> like you were saying you were like being on the strip is like what you gotta do if you're like visiting for the first time which like thank mm-hmm. god we did that because it really was like the being shot out of a cannon in the best way like the b- whole experience um like, you just get it immediately. But I feel like if you go to Vegas a lot, like, Virgin is a little bit off the strip. It's a little bit more, like, modern and just, like, still has the casino-y Vegas element, but it's more...
1: Oh, totally. I would yeah, say it feels kind of Palm Beachy, maybe, yeah, because it's yeah. away from the strip. Yeah. Something about it reminded me of Palm Beach. Yes. and Just a little more space, less crowds. Yeah.
0: And then Cassie's Beach House is, like, or Cassie Beach House is, like... Kind of got that Montauky, like, like Hamptons or Southern Montauk-y California. Montauky Hamptons. What a fun
1: way to describe. Yeah. Ooh.
0: It's got that whole vibe to it. And it just, it was honestly the perfect way to kind of like wake up the next morning. I mean, we literally immediately went to a lounge section and were able to just like <laughs> Thank relax. God.
1: Thank God they put us in a place with like pillows and basically a bed for me because. <laughs> as soon as we had a lovely waitress but as soon as they dropped like coffees and like our dips you had an Aperol spritz at 10am like, I, <laughs> I did i did i was like I just let's
0: said, just do it i just said i
1: was like i was like would you mind if i just closed my eyes and you said baby sleep sleep baby i said go to and sleep i laid i laid back and i knew in my heart of hearts i was like she's going to take pictures of me but i don't have a choice <laughs> right now <laughs> i have to i have to rest I just had for to at least 5 it. minutes
0: i just had to capture it because there was something about us sitting there and then there were all these other influencer, like very obviously, you know, they just had that influencer you can spot vibe. Them. You can
1: spot them in the wild. Around but, and us. The waters are kind of muddied because like now I can't tell I'm like influencer or porn star. Right. Because it really is. They look very similar. Yes. And I'm sure people say the, the same thing about us.
0: They definitely don't. <laughs> when we showed up looking like. Bats out of hell. I mean, we literally were like one eye open.
1: My cargo pants and my like twisted target shades. You're telling me I didn't I, I wasn't up for the the candidacy of influencer or porn star.
0: I think they were like, are we being pranked? Like, what is this? But the the influencer Interviewing
1: Weight Staff is what they saw. They were
0: like... Exactly. But you know the influencers I'm talking about that were sitting like across from us who were like so oh, yeah. like like just outfits, makeup, glam. And I just had to take a picture of you because I was just cackling to myself as you were sleeping that like this this waitress is taking care of us and then taking care of them and looking at us, probably going, How did this happen? Why are they It here? was a daycare?
1: <laughs> it was a daycare center. A daycare. And we were being taken care of by a caregiver is what was really happening. But what was I will say what was nice about <gasps> cassie is it cassie or cassie's beach house i think it's, cassie I it's cassie's beach house. beach house okay i'm saying cassie's as if i know her i don't know who cassie is but i love your beach house yeah it's like
0: barbie's dream house <laughs> cassie's beach house
1: it really is though because it's right next to the resort pool so the second that we were done because we had great food there i mean the dips we had oh those the ricotta pancakes were uh, actually so good yes. guys if you stop there please get those like that was there was a select group of foods that I think actually cure hangovers for me. Yeah. One of them is grape juice for whatever reason. I learned this in college. The other would be those ricotta pancakes.
0: And for me... It's the only thing. The freaking meze dips.
1: Yum. Oh, those are so good. Yum. I know. But what was nice was like the second that we finished, we just like kind of waddled right out to the pool
0: <laughs> waddled. in the back.
1: <laughs> I mean, I certainly did. Girl, I was... Ro- didn't we, like, I, like, vaguely remember us, like, being like, oh, take a video of me walking. And then I looked back at the video of me walking and I was like, I'm doing anything <laughs> but walking. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, I'm struggling to, like, keep myself afloat on pavement. It's really a, a difficult <laughs> and then time. And you fell asleep again.
0: <laughs> Outside. On the,
1: the little, like.
0: On the day d- bed.
1: It was the, the bed. <laughs> the day bed, yes. Until we were asked to leave.
0: <laughs> and I also took a picture of you there because it was just too funny. I couldn't.
1: I know. I did. I bounced back though. I felt better after that because we went to Zach Bagan's.
0: How do we even Ooh. begin with Zach Bagan's Ooh. with the Creepers?
1: Oh, should, uh, spooky. If you could sum it up in three words, what would you say? Your experience at Zach Bagan's? Long. It is long. That's true.
0: If- I would say long variety. There's a lot of different stuff in there, and
1: the wincing.
0: It's spooky, (laughs) but it's also like it's it's yeah, it's spooky.
1: I was about to make a crass joke, and I was like, "Now what about the museum?" As if you were describing Zach Bacon
0: himself. (laughs)
1: long variety and
0: spooky. <laughs> spooky. i mean there's a lot of i would stuff agree with there. all that there's a lot of different you, stuff in there there's something for everybody you're not to gonna be. get bored yeah
1: yeah i would say the historical stuff and the stuff that belonged to celebrities because it's my second time going there he yeah. did have some new stuff like seeing the james dean thing was really cool yeah that was super cool um yeah, anything that was, like, historical or, like, belonged to a celebrity. Because you and I, we love movie memorabilia yeah. and stuff like that. I'm a sucker for it. That was the one thing we didn't get to do. Planet Hollywood. <gasps> oh, damn. I'm already itching to go back. Oh, my God. I have to tell you. Well, Christmas trip.
0: Christmas trip. Or we can just go to Myrtle Beach because they've got a Planet Hollywood, too.
1: Oh, not just for Planet Hollywood. I want the <laughs> Vegas experience again. I'm kidding. Please, God. I We're going to it. Vegas. Would you say at the horseshoe again? Would you say there? I, d-
0: Definitely. I mean, I felt like the horseshoe was a great. The size of the room was huge. It was.
1: Mm. It really was, and I've stayed in several Vegas hotels. Like that was the biggest room I've ever had. It was
0: huge. It had everything you needed. It wasn't, you know, like something, you know, the f- glamorous,
1: wildly opulent. Yes. Yeah. It wasn't.
0: But it was perfect. Like because Vegas, you're not really in your room. You're hanging out, and then you're immediately going back that's a good out. Point. So I don't yeah, really Caesar's need and Bellagio. That's- yeah.
1: That's, like, where you want to stay if, like, you want to hang in your room. Yeah. That's, like, I'm on my honeymoon or like, I want the jacuzzi tip. This is not that. No. And for anybody who's wondering, the Horseshoe was formerly Bali's. They did a $1.4 billion renovation. I read about this. Wow. And it's yeah, super souped up. Again, Dita Von Teese is performing there. And, yeah, I feel like it was perfect for our stay. The table limits are really low. Like, the minimum bets are really low, yeah. as I learned, sadly, when I <laughs> went down all that money. <laughs> I can't even, oh God, it makes me so upset. But that was it, really. After that we we hopped our asses right on the plane and we were 50 f- minutes in talking know, about Vegas. I know Holy God.
0: Vegas and then baby, the magic castle.
1: I didn't even have it in my notes. <laughs> I was like, what more is there to chat about the magic castle? What was your experience, Madame?
0: I had the best time. I thought that was so fun going into... Do you know when that mansion was actually built? Like, was it in the 20s or 30s?
1: Oh, I thought you were about to tell me. I was like, no, when?
0: (laughs) I I don't... I know how long the
1: Magic Castle's been there. Well, they just had their... I think I checked it. Their 60th anniversary. So, But I don't know if that was when the castle was constructed. It might have been something well before that and then it was taken over and turned into a private members club what to... was the name of the the ghost pianist
0: um oh my god it was like
1: was it Isabel? Norma?
0: oh norma norma maybe that was, was it was it norma that was my favorite part of the whole night i have to say that was so much fun
1: girl i don't know if you remember this cuz i know we were drinking towards the end of the night but we sang the entirety of i dreamed a dream of oh, labis i remember i
0: remember <laughs> And I was like, how are we not tossed out of here yet? Like, what are we doing? But that was Creepers. There's- you went
1: full voice, too. You were giving a performance. I had
0: no voice the next day.
1: You had applause. People were applauding you. And then we finished and you said, how about another drink? <laughs> you, like, turned into, like, Karen from Will and Grace.
0: Oh, honey, honey. <laughs> We just have the best. Oh, I time. bet you do a
1: great Karen impression. You probably do such a good one. Oh
0: my God. I'd have to work on it. Because you do bit. a
1: great Bernadette.
0: Oh, honey. Honey. No,
1: that's not good. <laughs> <great. laughs> Give me your Bernadette. Just, just, just catch
2: the image. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. Dream that, I've gone by.
1: that was part. You could be. A, like a an ADR. Is that what they call them? ADR like voiceover artists ASR. for her? Oh, when yeah. they, like, oh maybe ADR. No, 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 ADR, like when they have to like fill in like vocals in like a movie or something, but the talent doesn't want to come in. They'll bring in an ADR.
0: Bring me in, baby.
1: Oh damn. The magic ha- I'm so happy we got to do that. That, that is a coveted so experience fun. in LA.
0: Thank you again, Molly. That was like the best. That was so much Molly! fun. Molly. Oh, uh, I'm so
1: Yeah. Thank you, Molly, for coming through and bring because we had dinner there too it was fabulous. Bryce was there, Hannah came, it was wonderful. So much fun. I certainly needed to recover after that that weekend yeah. it was quite
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't think I've <laughs> had that little sleep, that much booze and that much just running around. So
1: much the amount of alcohol we consumed is actually <laughs> wild to think about what we what we ate, what we drank. Oh god. <laughs>
0: need need, that much cigarette smoke in the
1: casinos too
0: i know thank god we didn't smoke anything
1: no i you know i went to the casino in hollywood or it's in inglewood but it's like the only one that's in like the hollywood area no smoking allowed it was such a bizarre casino and it's extremely well lit oh my god going in there i was like like overhead like fluorescent lighting i forget what it's called but and all the games are like a dollar minimum to play like the table games and i was like oh this is also weird no smoking allowed um the the drinks aren't free i'm pretty sure like there's a lot of oh i
0: don't know it if was I very like very that. strange
1: and 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 no slots <gasps> slots are not legal in california or at least in this area wow so Call your senator today. I
0: was going to say I don't know because Mama needs to put a chip.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You were itching for those slots because I took a video of you when I like left you because I had a raging headache and virgin and I'm like I'm gonna go find a a a couple Advil somewhere (laughs) like pawn them off somebody and I came back and I found you sitting at a slot machine (laughs) like droning out.
0: (laughs) I had three bucks on me and I was like, you know what? I'll use one of my bucks. And I made it back, and then I immediately did lost you? Okay. it. Okay, I remember I left the voucher on the table. It was seventy yes. seventy nine cents, and I thought someone else
1: <laughs> needs those. Sometimes you pay it forward. Yeah, pay it forward. I think I, I did that in Caesar's Palace because um, I I think I made out with ten dollars, and I was like, you know what, pay it forward. <laughs> Somebody the stepped charity on work it. That we it's... did, yeah. <laughs> Somebody blew their nose with that. Stop. Ugh. Do you imagine how much people like really win in Vegas when they like hit it big? Imagine going your first night and just like clear out with 10K.
0: That's insane. Look
1: how that like changes your whole trip. That's why things are so expensive there because they bank on like people coming in and just having a stroke of luck. Yeah. Winning a few thousand and then they're like, oh my God. Yeah. I'm going to get a room at like the Venetian for the night. I'm going to take myself to Smith and Walensky's and and I'm going to get the tomahawk. (laughs)
0: Oh my god, that also looked amazing.
1: It did. It really did. But baby, those are all our Vegas festivities, Magic Castle. I mean, if if you don't feel caught up after that hiatus and everything we did, I don't know what to tell you. But <laughs> I am certainly, certainly happy and grateful to be back with you for our season two premiere because oh my gosh. this is a big old juicy case. I think I have a top line written here, but and I'm gonna have to go through it anyway just to refresh. But when I get into the timeline of how this unfolds, I just want to brace you. You're going to feel very angry, very mad as I did when Mm -hmm. I was reading this. I just, as an experiment for us, I just want to try to keep a sense of neutrality through the whole thing, just to possibly, just for the sake of devil's advocate or to possibly consider what her eventual defense was, which is that she is innocent. She was not the one who killed Kaylee, but it was her father, George Anthony. So I don't believe that necessarily. But for the sake of argument, I want us to approach it just by considering, well, maybe. Because she just did her Hulu thing. That was Hulu, right?
0: See, or she did her, that w- have you seen I that? was going to tell you, that's the one like, touch point I have recently to, to Casey Anthony. I watched mm-hmm. the first episode Whenever that came out and I was kind of like, I had it on the background, but um,
1: I actually haven't seen it. So I'm curious to hear what your take is
0: on it. I mean, I was just so amazed by the high. I mean, they put a lot of money behind that docuseries, like the production value of it. And I mean, I was just kind of for me, I not knowing anything but kind of the outcome and what the very, very basics of this case. I was mm-hmm. really shocked to see that docu series the way it was produced and the angle it took. Like, I just um, I don't really know where I was going with that. But just to throw that, well, was into it the incriminating?
1: Mix, was it incriminating of her, or did you think it kind of elevated her side of the story?
0: I felt like it very much <clears throat> elevated her. I, I thought that it was very much really? conducted in a way that was to support her case and support her living now in the real world again and trying to make you know did
1: it cover in that first episode what she's doing now because i have in my notes like kind of the last thing we've seen of her
0: i want to say she was doing like investigative work
1: that makes sense with what i have in my notes i'll get into it later because you were going to shudder at like how she got into that oh like my god okay. what her her conduit was like Anyway, so <clears throat> let me get into <laughs> this top line. Stu, are you ready to get knocked on your ass for season two?
0: You're taking me from Tomahawk Steaks to Casey Anthony <laughs> in 60 seconds. <laughs> and I'm braced like, and I'm straight ready. Straight from the
1: Magic Castle and a Mai Tai I'm to ready. Casey Anthony. I'm ready. What's new on Creep Time? <laughs> All right. Now... I will say it is difficult to imagine anyone who has not heard the name Casey Anthony. She is she's kind of a symbol, I would say. Maybe you agree with this like in the world of true crime because she is absolutely the definition of infamous because she is believed to have done the unthinkable and have gotten away with it, or so it would seem. Now for the top line of the story before I break down the entire timeline of this madness, Casey Anthony was the mother. Of two year old Kaylee Anthony, born on August 9th, 2005, when Casey was just 19 years old. And this was an unplanned pregnancy. I know that was a big focal point of the case when it first happened. But what's interesting about that is that Casey, and this kind of gives you like a clue in early on to just what kind of person she is. She was living with her parents at the time. She never even told them she was pregnant. They questioned her because she was gaining weight in her stomach for months and they were like, Casey, is it possible that you're pregnant? And she just lied. She knew she was pregnant. And she said, no, I'm not. Until eventually it was so beyond obvious that she had to come clean and she would admit, I'm pregnant. And she did not know who the father was. To this day, nobody knows who Kaylee's father is. And though, I mean, Casey was seeing several different men and it's believed that it's possible her ex-boyfriend, who they think could have been the father, um, he tragically died in an accident prior to Kaylee's birth. So that's kind of where things started.
0: Oh, gosh. I I don't know if you knew that. Did you know that? I did not remember that or know that. Like I
1: said, it's unconfirmed if he is her biological father, but everybody kind of believes that that is the story. Now, on July 15th, Casey Anthony's parents, the grandparents of Kaylee, last saw Casey and her daughter drive off from their home in a huff following a family argument. So this is... Kind of murky about what this was about, and it's centralized around Father's Day. Um, But as the story goes, a lot of it had to do with Casey Anthony's parents, the grandparents, criticizing her fitness to be a mother and just saying, you don't take care of Kaylee, you don't watch her, kind of berating her, and probably rightfully so. And she takes Kaylee, gets in the car, drives off. They don't see her for a month. goes incognito. Now, 30 days later, it was discovered and first reported by the grandparents that Casey Anthony's car was found abandoned and impounded. They received a letter. So they went to retrieve the car, and there is this distinct odor that's radiating from the trunk. It is the smell of a dead body. Something that Casey Anthony's father would know very well because he worked in law enforcement all his life. And you cannot mistake the smell of a dead body. I read this when I was covering parts of the Jeffrey Dahmer case because his neighbor who had reported him and complained about the smell constantly described how it was a smell that was unlike anything else Mm -hmm. she'd ever smelled. It's kind of a smell of rotting meat, but it's also kind of sweet and like fruity is the only way she could really describe what that distinct (sighs) smell is like. Now over a series of very frantic phone calls after this discovery, Casey's mother, finally gets a hold of her. And then she learns that two-year-old Kaylee Anthony is missing and has been missing for 30 days. And Casey did not report this to 911. That is the inception of America's most harrowing true crime case, or one of the most, I would say, that kind of captured the attention of the entire world. And I just want to ask what your initial thoughts are of that and again, just sum it up in one word. What is the first word that comes to your mind when you hear that scenario?
0: Sick. I, I don't feel I th- well. I
1: swear to God, I thought you were going to say sinister. Yeah,
0: Sinister is like not even, I feel sick to my stomach hearing all of that. From the rotting smell to the 30 days to the not reporting. 30 Days. I'm, I'm sick days. to my stomach is how I feel.
1: Did you remember that part of it? The 30 days? Because I, I think that's the most, initially that's the most damning part of the story. I
0: honestly didn't remember that. It's coming back to me now, but I didn't remember how long it had been. That she just didn't I, report it. And how damning well, that is. I mean,
1: just imagine that from the POV of the grandparents who like, first of all, they Casey's been missing technically for like, a month like, and that then they realize that Kaylee has been missing or kidnapped, is what they're told. And she just never called anybody. How mind boggling that must be as a grandparent. And then, of course, if they got the additional evidence of this trunk in the impounded car that smells like a rotting body, actually, oh, where's my phone? Because I have the 911 call that I was going to play oh for you. Oh, my God. Well, let me, I'll, I'll go a little bit further into the story just to walk you through a bit of the timeline, and then I'm going to play the call so you can hear in her voice. You're going to hear Cindy Anthony, the grandmother, as well as Casey on the phone. And I would say if the initial 30 days was not damning enough, Casey's response or really lack thereof or initiative to want to talk to 911, it's pretty bad. It's It's actually shocking. Oh, my God. So let's get into the backstory of the timeline of this day. And just before I do, I'm going to give a disclaimer before we get into this and just say up front because of the status of the outcome of her trial, although the details researched here are to the best of our knowledge, accurate and true based on the public reporting of this case. All of this is just an outside allegation against Casey. Just so we're clear. Now, I'm going to jump feet first into this 911 call. So the call comes in July 15th, 2008, where all of this began. Cindy Anthony made a call. She was frantic. She was confused. And she was calling to report her daughter, Casey Anthony's car had been impounded and then it was retrieved. And in her words, it smells like there's been a dead body in the car. And what was also heard on this call, she can exclaim that Casey Anthony has just admitted to her that Kaylee has been missing for 30 days without being reported. So I'm going to pull this up real quick. I know. And it's chilling to hear it because I I really do believe that Cindy Anthony had no knowing of this. I, I know there are a lot of conspiracies that like the grandparents were somehow involved. I do not necessarily believe that. And just from the way she sounds, it's kind of like the John Benet thing with like I
0: have just how Patsy say, I Ramsey. I feel like I'm yeah. having like like <laughs> John Benet weird like flashback stage debut. Little flashback. Oh gosh. Okay.
1: Hopefully, there's not an ad in front of this. That would be sick. Okay, okay. I'm gonna turn it up and hold it right to the phone. Let me know if you can hear this.
2: Okay. my granddaughter has been taken. She has been missing for a month. We're talking about a three-year-old little girl. My daughter finally admitted that the baby's in the store. I need to find her. Your daughter admitted that your, the baby is where? But the baby took her a month ago. My daughter's been looking for I told you my daughter was missing for a month. I just found her today, but I can't find my granddaughter. She just admitted to me that she's been trying to find her herself. something wrong I found my daughter's car today and it smells like there's been a dead body in the wrong car okay what is the three-year-old's name? Kaylee C-A-Y-L-E-E Anthony Kaylee Anthony? Yes How long has she been missing for? I have not seen her since the 7th of June Is your daughter there? Yeah Can I speak with her? They want to talk to you Hello Hello Yes. Can you tell me what's going on a little bit? I'm sorry? Can you tell me a little bit what's going on? My daughter's been missing for the last 31 days. And you know who has her? I know who has her. I've tried to contact her. I actually received a phone call today. Now from a number that is no longer in service. I did get to speak to my daughter for about a moment, about a minute. Who has her? Do you have a name? Her name is Zenaiva
0: Fernandez-
1: So the call goes on from there. Hopefully you could hear that okay.
0: Oh, I heard it all. Yeah.
1: So the call goes on from there for a little bit, and that is the first of three calls. But there's one thing, just since it's fresh and I want to point this out, that maybe it might have been difficult to hear. Now, what you heard in the background for a part of that, and I I know it was difficult to make out, Cindy tries to get Casey on the phone after the 911 operator says, can I speak to her like the mother of the girl? Casey Anthony in the background says, I don't have anything to talk to them about. This is a woman who is saying that her child has been missing for 31 days, kidnapped by some woman. She has nothing to talk to 911 about. Nothing could be more transparent in the first 60 seconds of this call to me than that this woman knows something that we don't. What's your gut reaction just from the first listen? (sighs)
0: Well, I I know that I have was that was a lot to take in. I'm right sorry. Yeah. No, I have full body chills. Um, I'm trying to be neutral. <laughs> um, I know
1: I didn't set you up well, did I? No.
0: Well, here's the thing. <laughs> Give
1: you a lot to fight up against.
0: Here's what I just like. One of the first things that pops in my mind because we were just talking mm. about the Hulu documentary or whatever, which I know is years and years down the line. The conviction in which she presents herself to be an upstanding citizen in that documentary does not align with what I just heard on that phone call. And to me, (laughs) I'm like, here I go, not neutral, but I'm literally just saying, I'm just saying, I'm just saying what I saw (laughs) on that Hulu documentary for the brief moments I watched it. She is Mm -hmm. one hell of an actress because I don't, I don't know how you can do that. Like, I don't, I don't know how, if, if we're going to, like, I'm not even trying to immediately take the side that she did it. I'm just saying if she did it, Mm -hmm. if. Yes. The ability to just be that, like, convicted in her, I don't have anything to say to them. Just. Just. Mm -hmm. Just switch it off and compartmentalize or whatever she, her brain just did is like, it's sickening. Like I'm like, I'm ill over it. It's so scary. It's
1: it's pathological. Like there have been a lot of people who have done like, I mean, outside kind of like psych studies on Casey Anthony. And of course you'll learn very quickly. She is a liar. She is an inherent liar, but that's not, that's not singular to this case is the thing that you would learn. Casey Anthony, from, like, the time she was a child, is, like, a textbook pathological liar. So when you talk about her being, you know, like, wow, like, is it possible somebody could, like, turn that on? Or, like, you know, just so, so firmly believe in their own innocence, even if they're so clearly guilty. It's, like, I think on a certain level, maybe she does believe it. Mm -hmm. Like, it's possible for you to lie so well to the point that you start to believe your own mistruths. Sometimes when I see Casey Anthony, I'm like, maybe this has gone on so deep in her brain that it like didn't happen, you know, like that she just has convinced herself. I don't know what happened to her.
0: Yeah. Like fully believing her own myth. Like,
1: But she must, I mean, to be at this stage, like even if so, to be at this stage where she's like, I don't have anything. It's like a child saying, like, I don't have anything to talk to them about. Like, I don't want to talk to 911. Like. It's like a child.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like she's acting like a child. She kind of reverts. It's, I'll get into it in a little bit, but I'm going to keep going just for the sake of what happens next because this gets out of hand very fast. So I called attention to what she said where she said she didn't want to talk to 911. They also said, do you have a name of this person who has your daughter? Because at this point, everybody thinks it's a kidnapping. And she says, "Zanita." right? Now, let's talk about Zenaida Fernandez-Gonzalez, a.k.a. as she would be known, Zanny the Nanny, as we would come to learn. She's the accused kidnapper of two-year-old. Kaylee is technically, I think, close to three at this point. She's like very, very close, but I'll say she's two for the sake of the case. Now, immediately, because it's a missing child, police do jump in in full force in Orlando and they attempt to track down Zenaida while simultaneously interrogating Casey Anthony to understand What the hell is the story here? Your daughter's been missing for 31 days, you're telling us, and you didn't tell anybody. So it's fairly quick that investigators actually realize (laughs) this woman is hiding something, Casey, because she's sending them on this wild goose chase, and she is lying about almost everything. Every single thing right out the gate. She first claimed that she was going on a work trip, so she left Kaylee in the care of her nanny, Zanny the nanny, 30 days ago, who then took Kaylee and fled, is holding her captive somewhere. So Casey claims she was made aware of the kidnapping and she was trying to get Kaylee back on her own. Now, Casey was not living at home. She'd previously been living at home with her parents, Cindy and George, at their house for this month. She was living at her boyfriend's place at the time and she had never mentioned to him, not even once. Nor was he under the impression that Kaylee was in any danger. She was told, or he was told, rather, that Kaylee was just with a nanny for the entire month, because he knew that she had a kid. He was just like, where is she? Oh, she's with the nanny, or oh, she's like with my parents. No mention. No mention of this alleged kidnapping. And even Casey's parents, when they first tracked her down, she didn't even tell them right away about the kidnapping story, which is also, also odd. (laughs) She led them around To, like, go pick up Kaylee at Zanny the Nanny's and then realize that she was going to get cornered and then confessed and goes, I don't have her. She's been kidnapped. (laughs) I know. I know. (laughs) Like, enough. I could, we could never do this. We could never be interrogators because we would go full Nancy Grace. I can see why Nancy ate this up.
0: What what I can't get over is... How mind-boggling it is her excuse is already child neglect, like, in and of itself. Oh, yeah. And that somehow it worked. It was almost like she played so dumb and so simple that it worked, which is wild to me.
1: How dark is that, too, that the alternative story of it being child neglect is the better story, the better lie to choose in this scenario? That's when you know something very insidious went down Mm -hmm. here. Now, of course, at this time, police are like, why in God's name would you not report your daughter missing? And Casey claims she's like, I thought I could handle it myself. I was being naive. I thought I could get my daughter back. And I was fearful that if I got the cops involved, Zanny the nanny would harm Kaylee. So at this point, police are still somewhat taking this seriously. So they try to track down Zanny the nanny, as ridiculous as this sounds, and they find an apartment that is connected to this name, Zanida, right? And they go to the apartment, find out from the leasing office that it's been abandoned for a hundred days. And this woman, they do track her down, Zanida, doesn't even know Casey Anthony doesn't know her, never met her, has never worked as a nanny, has never seen this kid, Kaylee, had, like has absolutely zero connection to her. So Casey also told police that they were like, "What? where do you work? Like, where were you like looking for alibis? And she's like, I work in the events department at Universal Studios, Orlando. So they asked her, they said, take us to your office because they want to like search the office and whatnot. She leads them all the way to Universal Studios, like to the park. And they she starts like walking in, with like a police escort and she's waving to employees as if she knows them she's like hey i'm back kind of thing no one recognizes her nobody knows her and she gets all the way to like the the end of this entrance and then turns around to the police and goes so i don't actually work here i got fired a few years ago
0: i was gonna say had she ever worked there
1: Universal was like she I think she was an employee there. I don't think she worked in the events department, but they were like she was terminated years prior. Like she has had zero affiliation with Universal. So it's just it's very clear. She is a compulsive liar. And it's kind of like she just wants to see how far she can take this, but it just keeps incriminating her further. It's really bad, really, really bad. So I would say immediately the games are just kind of over because she's taken into custody And they've got her eyes on her. This is possibly a case of a mother who's killed a child. And within a week, they would learn of some very incriminating details about what might have gone on here. So first and foremost, the car is searched. They use a canine to go to the car, which immediately signals there are traces of decomposition in the trunk. That is a definite. Additionally they would take air samples which I've never even heard of in forensics air samples from inside the trunk and inside the car very clear indications dead body was in that car
0: oh my god
1: but i know it this case i has to it i'm sure it's studied but like it has to be studied as to like what the hell went wrong here because this isn't even a story of like a botched investigation this is really a story of a jury that didn't know their head from their ass. Yeah. Really, at the end of the day. Now, the air samples are taken, confirmation there was a decomposing body in there, but the most interesting details, I would say, are the f- the previous 31 days before Kaylee Anthony is reported missing. Her behavior, Casey's, is bizarre. During this month, where Kaylee is allegedly kidnapped, supposedly in the custody of Zanny the nanny, who is holding her hostage, for the entire month, Casey is photographed, she is videoed, she's documented at bars, clubs, house parties, she's entering hot body competitions, she's partying for the entire month that her daughter is supposedly kidnapped. She was witnessed, filmed, and photographed in all of these places countless times, drinking, having a good time, smiling. So let's pause right the there before I stroke out. Like...
0: 1206. Partying? Girl. I... Thank you. <laughs> like, how? Okay, this is like one of those moments where I really just cannot wrap my head around how a jury found her to be innocent.
1: It does not make sense. 31 days? She's partying? It, it, you know what's crazy, too, is like even at this point there were still people in the case who were willing to keep up the possibility of Zanny the nanny because that wasn't even public knowledge at this point. That was just something the investigators knew. They were like, Zanida, this woman, is clearly a name that you just like plucked from a phone book kind of thing. Like This has zero connection to your daughter's disappearance. So she's partying all month long. I just had to pause there because I was like, I, I knew that was going to send a lot of people. And it's possibly the most damning part of the story. So like I said, the public does not have the knowledge um, that Kaylee Anthony was anything other than possibly kidnapped by this random woman, Zanny the Nanny. So it becomes a national headline, and this is when the media circus and the frenzy kind of starts. There is a hunt for Zanny the Nanny. And then (laughs) Casey is finally arrested, just on the baseline of like pure child neglect, because everyone's like, if this kidnapping is real, I mean, how insane is it that... You did not report that. You're a neglectful mother. So a manhunt ensues all across the country. People get revved up and they come in droves, hundreds of people to Orlando because they're hunting because at this point we don't even have a body of Kaylee. Then once it comes out that Zenaida, this woman, has zero connection to Casey Anthony or this family, everything deviates from that narrative and it all goes back to Casey. There's quite a lot of coverage and spectacle at this point. And this is when it has a huge shift where everyone's saying, this is a mother who knows something and did something to her child, and we have to find where she hid her, thinking she's still alive. Then we get the biggest break in the case. On December 11th, 2008, there is a meter reader. Um, His name was Roy Crunk. Uh, He was working the day near a wooded area, and he went deeper into the woods because he had to pee. And while he's out there, he caught something odd out of the corner of his eye, deep into the woods, kind of near like a a dark, like covered swampy area. He stumbled upon what looked like a partially buried black plastic bag. And from what he said, like his description, because he gave testimony too, he was in court about this. He was like, I it could have just been trash, but there was something in my gut that just told me, go check it. Like, just go look and see what's what that is even though it's dirty even though it's in the mud and in the swamp so he described he went over and he just started to kind of like poke around the bag and like get it out of the ground like what it was like very shallowly covered and he used his stick um to kind of poke into it and he remembers hearing something kind of hollow like softly break apart inside so then he used his hand and he lifted up the bag And to his description a decomposing human head rolled out of the bag to the ground he said it was so grisly that he actually thought it might have been a Halloween mask. And this is really awful, so I'm, I'm going to give a warning before I say it. He, Because he thought it was a Halloween mask, he used his stick to poke through the eye socket to lift it up and look at it. Mm-hmm. Convinced. My convinced God. it's a mask. It's like a decoration. He then realized at a closer look, it is a real human head of a child with duct tape on the mouth. He then dropped it in complete shock. Nine one one is called, and there's a nine one one call of that as well, which I'll if we have time at the end, I'll play it. An immediate search of the grounds would find the remaining parts of the body inside several bags, the presumed remains of Kaylee Anthony. Let's let's pause there, just about that reveal.
0: So, I know that's
1: that's very graphic and very shocking to hear.
0: I have like tears in my eyes. Like that is. Just, I guess when you just think about the age of this child, to think that regardless of if it was her mom or someone else, that is just so foul and disturbing. So it was her head in one bag and then other parts of her in other bags.
1: It, was, it wasn't clear to me, but she was pretty severely decomposed. So I think part of the assumption was was not that she was dismembered necessarily, yeah. but that the body had just kind of fallen just, apart
0: yeah, okay. over the
1: months that it was, you know, in the elements, basically. Because for a part of that time, since it was near a swamp, I think it's believed she was maybe submerged in water, mm. too, which also helped to accelerate some of the decomposition. There's something that happens called um, I've heard examiners talk about it. it's called like skin slip where that's like the first stage where the skin kind of detaches. Mm. But
0: where would we be had he not found that bag?
1: You know, what's crazy about it when I was actually reading through this and I was like, well, this must've been stowed away someplace where nobody found it because like all these search efforts in Orlando and like everybody's on foot, everybody's looking for it. This was blocks away from the Anthony's family home, from the grandparents' home where Casey was living. Oh my God. Blocks. For months, for months this was out there. So it would take exactly one week from the time of this discovery for the medical examiner, who was actually Dr. G from Discovery Health. I don't know if you ever saw that show. No, oh, I didn't. Dr. G Medical Examiner. I used to watch it when I was a kid. You could tell it was very, very impactful for me. <laughs> um, they would inspect and she would test the remains, and it was publicly confirmed that this was in fact the body of Kaylee Anthony. And like I said, proximity-wise, this was Blocks, just blocks away from the home. The scene and the remains told a very dark story of what happened here to Kaylee Anthony. Her body, like I said, was actually in multiple pieces and it was wrapped in a Winnie the Pooh blanket. And parts of it, it looked like, were partially separated into multiple black trash bags. And then the entire collection of the remains was thrown into a laundry bag. The corpse was then discarded in an area of what appeared to be swamp-like for the intention of hiding it somewhere in the mud or the dirt. And the examiner, Dr. G, she could not determine, because of the how skeletal parts of the remains were, it, the exact cause of death. But just from how badly decomposed she was, how submerged, um, or how intentionally buried and submerged she was, and the duct tape on the mouth, it is assumed her death was a homicide and not an accident that was covered up. It's also around this time of the discovery that the media coverage on this really, really grows and kind of spirals out of control and there is immense pressure on this family and really for the public, um, or for the prosecutors rather, to call for a conviction and sentence this mother to death. It was unbelievable how crazy this ramped up. Do you remember this turning point in the case, like the actual discovery and trial? Because this is, this is really the meat of the case. I feel like I, I do.
0: I don't remember the like finding the body, like the the him the uh, parking meter guy finding the.
1: Oh, he was a meter reader. Or meter, meter reader. Meter? Is that like highway meters? I think? Okay, I was going to say, is high, that like yeah. those
0: things? They almost look like cameras that are on like a tripod and they're reading.
1: I don't know, actually. I honestly, I just have no know he, idea. he was a meter reader. That's all. That's all I knew of his <laughs> position.
0: <laughs> we gotta look that up. Census. Um, I, yeah. So I, I, I remember. I remember when it was like the moment. Oh, okay, she's done for. I do remember that, mm-hmm. and I think it would have been a result of that. But I don't remember this whole meter reader finding like the, the bag actual discovery. And it's it so grisly. It was a Halloween mask. I don't remember that at all.
1: The description, because he talked about this in court and it's really devastating to hear him talk about it because you can tell the guy is scarred from what he saw and what he experienced. And he apologized actually for the handling of the remains because he didn't, he just didn't know because you you would never, I mean, I would assume that I'm going to stumble upon a body, but that's only because I'm prepped and groomed (laughs) for it always. (laughs) Right. But most people, if they find something suspicious, they might check it out out of curiosity, but nobody thinks they're going to find a corpse, let alone a corpse of a child.
0: Like a super high profile search that's also happening at that time.
1: Oh my God. Yeah. Um, but I to get back into it, like that is, that really is what like, that was the turning point, the 24 seven news coverage. And a lot of it actually centralized around, you know, the defense of George and Cindy, because at this point they were willing to believe their daughter's story in the beginning you could tell from that call it kind of sounded like cindy was like against kaylee or sorry not kaylee sorry casey It's a lot of c names in here mm-hmm. but it, it kind of sounded like she was willing to say like there's something wrong here like there's a body in the trunk it smells like there's a body in the trunk like she just admitted to me like it sounds like she's throwing casey under the bus they completely pivot their story but following the discovery of casey or kaylee anthony oh my god i have to get my my name straight here George Anthony would actually attempt to take his own life, which a lot of people have gone two different directions on this. Some people say that this spells grief, and some people say that this spells guilt. So I'm I'm curious to talk about this towards the end once we like kind of break this down and break down the defense. So he was saved. Um, The exact nature of the event is not public knowledge, although it is claimed that his grief was unbearable and that he said he needed to be with Kaylee, and the pressure became very unreal. And really, I, I would say the, this is when the case kind of took on like a sick fascination for people because it became a sport for people to watch the trial and speculate on what was going to happen in this case. People were selling tickets to get into the courtroom. That is unfathomable to be there to see Casey Anthony selling tickets. Disgusting. scalping disgusting. It was, I mean, I don't even know if it was like press or like journalists who were so hungry to cuz it was televised nationally but it was people who just wanted to be there for such a historic and infamous moment in a weird way. Doesn't that sit strange with you? Doesn't that feel dark? I just don't.
0: I I so don't abide by that <laughs> that that line of thinking. I just think um giving I honestly think it's It's very detached. It's detached, and I, honest to God, feel like it fuels. I I know that a jury has to examine the evidence Mm -hmm. and look at it for what it is and make their case or make their verdict. I think the Mm -hmm. more media coverage that gets around these cases, it tends to sway a jury to do something. I just I know that that's totally off the like out of nowhere. And this is purely my opinion.
1: No, but no, but I think that's very real. I I think that's true.
0: It it people, I think human nature to have that moment where you realize, oh my god, I am a juror on a huge case right now, and Mm -hmm. I could be, you know, Joe Schmo, and I am now making a pivotal decision on the most high profile. Homicide historic. case. It's historic, it's historic. Yeah. and like I don't know. I I do think there's some element there that's like the human psyche gets overwhelmed by the coverage of it. Your power in that mm-hmm. position, and that's why sometimes we don't always make the correct decision. I honestly, really in my gut, do feel like there's truth to that.
1: I I agree with you. I think that's such a a good point. That's really well put too. I but what's interesting about these high-profile cases, and I think about this a lot, is that they're not allowed to watch or consume any news coverage um, on the case because it, it could sway a juror. I can't even imagine how they found a jury of unbiased jurors because people have kind of coined this like phrase around Casey Anthony, the most hated woman in America, because she's the mother who killed her child. But they let's say they find the jury that doesn't know much about the case From what I've seen in other high-profile cases that have been depicted on television, like the O.J. Simpson case, they were basically kept in, like, solitary confinement for the entire trial. Like, they were kept in hotels. They weren't allowed to, like, be around each other except for when they were deliberating or listening to the case or reviewing evidence. No TVs, no media, no cell phones. Like, they can't consume anything that will, like, sway them. That's maddening. Like, you would just go crazy and want it to be over.
0: Yeah, But at the same time, it's like, how can you, if you get in the courtroom and you know that they're selling tickets for people to get into the courthouse to watch the, the trial, you know what's going on. You know that there's something nefarious about the whole ordeal.
1: But you may not even know the POV from the outside world. I mean, for all they knew, if they were really insulated, it's difficult to believe if they were, but if they were really insulated, they may know that it's a high-profile case, but that the entire world is rooting for Casey's innocence. Like, they may be completely warped.
0: Except she's the def- but she's the one—she's being prosecuted, though. Like, that that's where I kind of am like, I just don't—I think that when there's that much coverage around the whole thing, mm-hmm. I think as a juror, it's pretty—like, cl- if there's that much just hoopla around it, you're like, oh— if if she doesn't get convicted, some shit gonna go down. One thirty four.
1: Thank you. Do you know what the actual defense is of the case? Like what her defense team came up with? Because if you if you are insulated and you're not watching the news coverage and you can't tell like what the the public POV is this POV is of this and you hear this defense argument, if you're insulated enough, I can see why people would believe this.
0: I don't remember it. Oh God, I'm gonna get it complete.
1: No, 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 no. You're no, no, no. Because like, it's pretty horrific. I'll get into it in a second, but it basically spells out Casey's innocence, and claims that the father, Casey's father, the grandfather George Anthony, was the culprit who killed Kaylee and then disposed of the remains. Completely absolves her,
0: and he was the one trying to take his own life.
1: Right after the discovery, which a lot of people, which they used in the defense to to suggest that he knew the jig was up and he was trying to get out while he could. That coupled with (sighs) Cindy going on the stand, making, this gets insane. She starts making claims, taking the fault for like some of the evidence that comes to light. I've got to keep going because there's actually, when this trial actually gets underway, The evidence to that comes up, you're going to flip your damn lid. So, okay, where are we at? So Kaylee, Kaylee is dead. There are all these eyes on Casey Anthony. She is the presumed killer of her own daughter. And we have an investigation that would only become more and more insidious. Now, at this time, it's not actually clear what the Anthonys thought of their daughter. They didn't know whether to believe what she was telling people, you know, that she's innocent, even though, you know, all signs kind of point to guilty here. And then Casey is imprisoned at this point for years before there's like so much lead time before the trial actually starts. Because this happened in 2008. Bodies discovered in 2008, I believe, or I believe it was 2008. Hold on. Let me let me double check my, let me fact check. Do you remember what
0: I said? December 11th? I think December 11th, yeah, December, 2008.
1: Yeah, 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 I was confusing myself because no, the December 11th Yeah, December 11, maybe 11, thing. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I was like, oh, 2011? No, no, no. It was 2008. Trial doesn't begin until 2011. There is so much time that passes. So comes, you know, time for the trial. The case is reviewed, brought before a jury. Everyone is shocked to hear Casey Anthony is planning to plead not guilty to the case. She pled guilty for 13 fraudulent check charges, very benign. But as for any of the charges related to her daughter's murder, she insisted she was not at fault. Here is where things get muddy and dark. Searches of the Anthony family computer are brought up because they are, the computer is confiscated and searched, and they trace searches back all the way to 2008. There are some pretty damning results in the search history. Dating back to before Kaylee disappeared, it appeared that somebody in the home was searching how to break a neck and someone was searching chloroform. Now, it would seem very obviously tied to Casey and yet Cindy gets on the stand and testifies and claimed that she made those searches. So the prosecutors ask her to spell chloroform because it was spelled correctly in the search. She couldn't spell it. Spelled it incorrectly. And she also starts making up, they're like, what about the search how to Break a Neck, she starts making up this story and saying that she accidentally searched how to break a neck from a YouTube, in quotes, saying it was a pop-up. So she's kind of just like an older woman who, like, doesn't fully understand, like, how search engines in yeah. the internet, like, maybe work. So she's, like, trying in real time to, like, craft a lie to cover her daughter's ass. And she keeps, like, maintaining this. She's like, you know, I'm the one who did those searches. Um, but they go through a backlog of work schedules and find evidence that proves that at the time those things were searched, Cindy was at work. It could not have been her. Like the story is defunct. So why all of a sudden is she taking the fall for something that is so clearly not her doing? What, I, what are your thoughts on that? Cause people have a very, a very skewed perception of like where Cindy stands in all of this and her daughter's innocence.
0: Well, I think it's kind of like what I think, think I brought up at the beginning that maybe at some point you realize, honestly, similar to Casey, you start believing your own myth that your kid is innocent because it's just too Mm. hard to reckon with the idea that this actually happened. Um, And you're trying to do whatever you can to just save your kid's ass i mean i i don't know i honest to god do not know how you mm-hmm. go from calling nine one one saying it smells like there's a dead body in the back of my daughter's car to then mm-hmm. saying that you searched how to break necks and chloroform and that that's just I, front of the mill search history for you like i just and making that's up two this two bogus story
1: people. saying yeah it just i will also we have to consider years have passed at this point like it's three, four years later in 2011, that she's had time to reckon with this and figure out like, what do I really, how do I want to go about this? Like the next year of my life in my daughter's case and trial, she's lost Kaylee, lost her granddaughter, almost lost her husband. Her daughter is in prison, probably going to, you know, go down and be imprisoned or put to death. Um, she's lost everything yeah. in her life. And she is A public face, very much a public face in this trial, just the same as Casey is, because everybody came after the Anthonys as a whole because they were defending Casey. And I mean, they every single day, like reporters basically lived outside of their house for years. And then when the trial ramped up, like it just got a lot worse. So I I can believe what you're saying, that like at a certain point, if you make a decision that you're going to just believe what your daughters told you, you do so. You just Nothing else makes sense. This is this is what happened. I did those things. It must have been me. Maybe I don't recall it, but I searched those things. I searched up chloroform, even though I don't know how to spell it. Like, it's just, it's nonsensical. Yeah. So here's the story that kind of pieces together from, like, this is most likely the true story of what people think happened to Kaylee, because it still isn't really explained. We don't have a cause of death. What we do think and what we kind of know is that Casey did not pay for babysitters. And this is really, really dark. What it's believed she would do is she would drug her daughter, either with Benadryl or something stronger, so that she would fall asleep so that Casey could go out and party at clubs. Now, it's believed that at a certain point, she looked into using chloroform to do this. So she was able to use chloroform and then put duct tape over her daughter's mouth with the intention of her passing out and then left for the club. By the time she came home, she realized that Kaylee had suffocated from the chloroform and she had killed her daughter. It's believed that Casey then panicked, wrapped her up in the Winnie the Pooh blanket that she was sleeping in, put her in her trunk in the heat, the Orlando heat of the summer and panicked for several days trying to figure out what do I do, what do I do until eventually the smell really became unbearable and she figured she had to get rid of Kaylee's body threw her in the woods, very shallowly buried it near the swamp, ditched the car, and then went the following month partying like nothing had ever happened. That is a very insidious story, but it is believed that, that is most likely what happened.
0: I'm literally looking at my heart rate right now because it just...
1: <laughs> I know. The, I, the
0: <laughs> idea... I don't know why
1: I do this to you every
0: week. No, it's not even... Can I say with this case, it's not even... That it, it's more so I'm trying to imagine what is running through her head in that moment uh, in those days and then to go like I was on the ride and then for you to say and then she went back to partying for the remainder of as the time until they found ha- the body like, just, as if it never happened. And I'm just I, I can't even I switched can't it off. reconcile that. Like, I just can't
1: drink it. Like, if you look at the pictures of her around this time, like after if this is all true, that she did this and got rid of that body to just think about, like, you held your dead child in your arms, wrapped her up and put her in a bag and not even discarded her, kept her in your trunk, driving around for days, knowing your child is in your trunk. Like a toy. Throw her
0: like yeah like a broken in a baby doll that you don't want anymore like it's so
1: it's it's so disturbing Ugh. to think that like it was possible for her to, for her not only to do that but then like like you said go to the clubs start entering like hot body competitions doing like jello shots that's crazy that is so beyond insidious that the only way i can actually reconcile it is that There has to be a touch of like insanity there in the sense that Mm -hmm. she is such a firm pathological liar that she's beyond the pale. Like it's she she believes her own innocence because she blocked it out. Mm -hmm. Because I can't imagine anybody has a poker face to do that and just go on with their life. I can't.
0: You can't say poker face. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Thank you for pulling me out of that because
1: I was feeling really dark for a second. My stomach's hurting actually. No, so is mine. So is
0: mine. I I, really, this is so dark.
1: It messed me up bad. Well, it's about to get darker because I'm about to run you through the defense, Casey Anthony's defense in court. Okay. I'm gonna need you to grip something for this because
0: I do. You know what's no, so funny. For... I have literal silly putty that I keep on my desk when I get stressed <laughs> out, and I'm about to pull it out right now. Oh, I swear to God, I was to. looking at it, itching to grab it while you were talking, and I was like, I can't screw up the audio. Need to. Okay. I need to
1: send you some some like stress like dummies or like something to like stre- squeeze some slime.
0: <laughs> it. It's a little rabbit.
1: That is a great idea for like merch for us, where we can. That's oh, so cute. A little creep oh, time God. stress ball. Yeah. A little yeah, it's a creep time stress ball. <laughs> oh, just a little ball of hell. Mm-hmm. Well, grab onto something because I'm about to tell you what her defense team comes up with. So their opening statement is shocking. Like it is wild, and people actually like audibly gasp in the court. They insinuate that the Anthony's, the grandparents, are not people to feel bad for and that they are not what everybody assumes them to be. No one should assume their innocence in the death. Of Kaylee Anthony. This is their claim. So Casey Anthony goes on the record, goes on the stand to claim that she has been sexually molested by her father since she was a little girl and that this has continued into adulthood. And this is part of how she learned to lie. They start leading with this idea that Casey Anthony is a liar. She's a pathological liar. You can't refute it. She's a compulsive liar. And the reason being is because she was molested by her father from a very young age, and it completely reshaped her psyche and how she's able to block things out. This is an interesting angle that they're taking. Now, they then further alleged that George, the father of Casey, um, or Kaylee's grandfather, is the one responsible for the death. So this is the story. It's that Kaylee was unsupervised at the Anthony's family home near the pool, drowned, And that George panicked, used his knowledge of the police force to collect the body, get rid of it, and stow it away. Even though it was very poorly stowed in a trunk and then in the woods, wasn't buried. So the story is alleging that Casey was either threatened by him to keep quiet or didn't know. And if she was threatened and did know, she blocked it out and then continued to party for the month. And then by the time the body was revealed, he attempted suicide because he thought everything was over and the cover-up was blown. There is an even further twist to this. The defense alludes that it is possible that George is actually Kaylee's father. (gasps) And he was terrified that with the discovery of the body and doing DNA testing, they would be able to determine that not only was this Casey's daughter, obviously, but this was his daughter that is a dark 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 accusation that they made so what are your initial thoughts just on the defense and what they're coming up with
0: i mean if you have jurors that are willing to believe the like most I, i'm i mean oh god like the most um what's the right word um not like hyperbolic, I mean, but it's, like it's, the most dramatic. But it, is, it is hyperbolic, yeah. Yeah, like dramatic possible counter to what just happened. Then I feel like that was their angle. It was like, what is the craziest thing that we can possibly spin this into that will almost yes. throw, it will be so nuts that it will throw off the scent just enough that you could get it by.
1: That's exactly, that is exactly the tactic they took. And you know what's even crazier is that putting Casey Anthony on the stand and you kind of alluded to this before you were like she is a damn good actress she sells hard on that stand talking about I mean he completely denied he was like of course I never molested my daughter of course all of this is completely fake and like none of this is true she's up there sobbing she's talking about like childhood memories that probably didn't even happen of molestation she's sobbing on the stand like It's a convincing performance, shockingly convincing performance, but that is a symptom of being a pathological liar. That's why they're effective, because they can believe the narrative they've spun so, so well that you start to believe it too. Of course you start to believe it. How could you deny what you're seeing? She's sobbing on the stand.
0: So is the the idea that her father ever abused her, is that fully untrue? Like, Do we rule that out later or do we think there's some semblance of truth to it?
1: Uh, I mean, I don't, there is absolutely no evidence. I will say there's no evidence to show or prove that he ever abused his daughter. There's nothing to prove that. Um, For everything that him and Cindy have said, it's completely made up. Something definitely happened to Casey Anthony to create the person she is, to create a pathological liar. And it's very possible she was molested by somebody. She was abused it may not have been the anthony's it may not have been her father it could have been someone else and maybe they took that story twisted it to somebody who was in kaylee's life and would have had motive to cover this up and that was what they ran with it's a really big swing and it's a really really bold defense but i think it's exactly what you said
0: mm-hmm.
1: throw the biggest curveball you can because it is going to knock the entire jury on their ass so they won't even know which way's up yeah they they will question they will question her guilt
0: God, this case is so gross. I just it's so- I know. Gross. I, I can
1: tell this is like really like sitting horribly. It's not a fun case no, to cover. But, I thought you know, it would be it's
0: it but it's it's a lot like Jean Bonnet. It's a lot like Jean Bonnet. It's just so it is just disturbing and like the most the most pure human connections that you feel like you can have in your life with your with your parents, your children the people closest to you could be um, violated or ruptured in some way so foully. It's just like, it, it just strikes, if you're a good person, strikes such a just horrendously sickening chord.
1: I wonder if that's why people gravitated towards it a lot when it had its media peak between mm-hmm. 2008, 2011, was that in a, a really dark way, it holds up a mirror, I would say, to a lot of the darker side of America yeah, and seeing seeing a family that like on the outside might have just been a very normal family, you know, two grandparents, their young daughter, and then a grandchild. And like what you're saying to imagine if all of this were true, a two-year-old dead, a daughter who possibly was impregnated by her father, like it's just you're seeing the worst possible scenario of what on the outside looked like a normal family and just how dark this is. I think that's why people feel fascinated by it and they like want to, I don't know, want to understand like how something so insidious could just be. Well, we're finally at the verdict. I don't know if you're ready for this. I don't know if anyone's ready for this. But following both the defense and the prosecution, both of which I would say the prosecution was like undoubtedly compelling. I mean, there's it seems so, so clear from the outside what exactly happened here. I can certainly understand because she had a damn good lawyer and she really did do her part up on the stand to sell the story, the opposition. Clearly, it was effective because this is what happens next. So we arrive at the verdict of what is arguably one of the most infamous cases to ever be televised in true crime history. The outcome of this had one of the largest days in media coverage in the United States. It is a jury of seven women and five men who listened to countless hours of testimony and reviewed evidence for every single element of this case that was public-facing. They saw the body. They saw the trunk. They saw the search results. They saw photos of Casey partying, every single piece of it. And on July 5th, 2011, a jury deliberated for more than 10 hours in private, They then came back to the courtroom, and on live television, to the shock of everybody in that room and to the entire country, they found the defendant, Casey Anthony, not guilty in the murder of her two-year-old daughter, Kaylee Anthony. They would cite insufficient evidence beyond what was presented to undoubtedly prove and rule that Casey Anthony is the sole person responsible for this crime. And people went hysterical. The entire country watched this on live TV and people rioted. There was nothing they could do. There was nothing they could say. The case and the trial were over. Just initial thoughts for how that hit you.
0: I do. I do remember watching. Um, I didn't watch the verdict live, but I know I've seen the clip of I can. honestly. Everybody's seen the clip of the yeah, moment. Yeah. The moment. Seen that clip. I mean, everybody and just people like audibly being like, Freaking out. Um the
1: energy in that room of being in that courtroom when that happened. Can you imagine? I can't even imagine just like the breath sucked out of your lungs to hear not guilty and, and see her sitting there it must have been so wild.
0: Here's what I'm curious about. We've been talking about yeah. how she is a pathological liar, how her mm-hmm. brain chemistry must be altered in such a way that she's able to believe her own myths about things. Mm-hmm. What I would be so curious about as somebody in that moment, you know you're about to get your verdict read, in her, if if she had truth serum on her to know whether or not she thought she was actually gonna be convicted or not. The shift in your brain when they say not guilty. And you, whatever outcome she was expecting, either let's say she is, she did believe her own myth, and she was like, "Yeah, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm obviously not guilty." Like, thank you. Or this whole time she's been acting, which is what I think is going on, acting, acting, acting. Mm-hmm. You're in that moment, and you're like, "All right, here we go. The jig is up." And then they say,
1: "Right, right." Like you guilty. can only go as far with your performance. Yeah, and
0: you, you have to like i i need to go back and watch her face during that moment because i kind of remember it but like i would love to yeah i would love to just read her face again just to see whether or not i think she truly truly believed her own myth up until that moment or if she knew the whole time it was all an act and then she finally got away with it
1: i did watch it can i give you my take yeah i think in the very moment they were announcing her verdict i think She knew the truth of what she did. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: I think she knew the truth from what I saw on her face. I think she was sitting there and I could see, even though she had a really good poker face, I guess you could say. I got to stop saying that. (laughs) But I could see her, the wheels spinning, where she was preparing herself Mm -hmm. to hear guilty. And then the very second they said not guilty, there was a slight moment of disbelief where she kind of froze. And then it was like right back into the narrative starts crying and the crying wasn't like, I can't believe I got away with it. It wasn't like that. It was like finally justice, like for my innocence, I was almost wrongfully convicted justice for an innocent woman was like the tone of what she was giving and like the attorneys are like rubbing her back and consoling her. It's quite the show. It is quite the show. And I, mean, I think what's even more insidious about it, one last thing is, I think, if I'm remembering, they panned to the Anthony's stone. Stone. That told me everything I need to know.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: I just gave myself chills.
0: You just gave me chills.
1: <laughs> am I narrating an audiobook? <sighs> what am I on right now? Jesus.
0: I need to see. I don't remember what the Anthony's look like. I need to go back and watch that.
1: Um, their initial reaction maybe it was disbelief some people might read it differently but to me it was disbelief in a different way
0: yeah like i cannot believe we just supported our daughter
1: the outcome of away this, yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah they're not in contact i mean that's the thing too after the outcome of the verdict and the case and she eventually leaves a free woman they don't reconcile as a family i mean how could they? the entire yeah. defense was building the case that her father killed her daughter you know.
0: But he didn't go to jail or anything.
1: No, of course. There was no evidence whatsoever. I mean, there's never been any evidence of like the abuse that she was talking about. The entire thing, for all intents and purposes, sounds like a story that was made up. People say, well, there's possibility there could be truth to it. There's possibility there could be truth to anything. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: But I'm just saying the the facts of the case, the evidence all signs point to Casey Anthony being the sole person who did this. And I also never understood the drowning theory because I was like, what in God's name would an accidental drowning of this little girl have to do with putting duct tape over it's, her mouth? I
0: was just thinking the same thing when you were describing it. I'm I like, was
1: like, don't feed me a load of horse. Shit. Why would I know you what's ever so, put, get, I'm getting, yeah. – I'm getting mad. I know, I know. <laughs> like
0: Like, I mean – I thought the same it, thing when you were describing it. It has nothing
1: to do with accidental drowning. I mean, at least if you're going to spin some narrative to say the the father did, the grandfather did it, keep with the thing about the chloroform for whatever reason. But the accidental drowning to then duct tape, I don't buy it. And then in Casey's car for several days was a bot. I don't buy any part of it. Also, what time is it? I got to mark that down. I swore.
0: <laughs> right at two hours two two o. Oh. Yeah, two. I'll say
1: 159 to be on the safe side. (sighs) Now, I do have some, I mean, that is the verdict. We know that. I do have some aftermath thoughts just about what happens after this. Let's see. Now, Casey was sentenced to four years in prison for her other crimes because she did not get out of the scot-free. But at that point, in waiting for her trial, this was the part that burned everybody's ass. In waiting for her actual trial, she had already served the time that she got for her convictions. So by the time this trial ends, she gets to walk out a free woman. There was a heightened sensitivity that Casey would be killed. Upon her departure from prison. So it was it was crazy what they arranged for her. She would leave prison with her attorney, goes into a private vehicle with a police escort, which then took them into a private parking garage where there was a vehicle swap that then took her to a private plane, which brought her to an unknown destination. So she goes into hiding for some time, disconnects from the parents entirely, and everybody wanted to know like what actually What happened to her? Like, where do you go from there as someone who is just the most famous woman in America for the most insidious and evil thing? So we would learn that, of course, she is still out there today. She's living her life, working a job, and she is acting as if this never happened. Reportedly, she became. I need alcohol after this. A (laughs) live-in nanny. A live-in nanny. For a private, the private investigator who worked on her defense team, he hired her as his live-in nanny for some time. And now she works for, when you were saying she works for a private eye team, yeah. it's his team.
0: Okay. I remembered something yeah. weird about that. As Live the nanny, nanny.
1: I need a cigarette and I don't even smoke. I desperately need a cigarette. I
0: need a lobotomy. Like, I... <laughs> like... <sighs>
1: It's almost farce. It's farce. That's, it's farce. Yes,
0: that's what I'm saying. It, like truly, she is that sociopathic that she would actually go do that. She would Could you actually growing up later. No,
1: being the kid growing up as like a teenager and being like, who? Oh, did you have a nanny when you were a kid? Yeah, Casey Anthony was my nanny. That can't become a party joke.
0: She, she just really this whole thing is a lesson in leaning the hell into some evil
1: but i mean believing yeah just believing beyond anything your own story it's it's honestly like a it's like a case study of i don't human endurance is not the right word for this at all because i am not trying to glorify this but no. it should be a case study on just like The capacity of the brain to suspend your disbelief. Yes, like the
0: malleability of your own psyche is really what I keep thinking. Like she really has completely convinced and compartmentalized and to the point that even after it's all over, she is still believing that she did nothing wrong.
1: I know she's still she's still in it. The, the world building that she she did never stopped. Yeah. So Because the thing is, after this, obviously, nobody wants to mess with Casey Anthony. She's not going to get a job anywhere. And she wasn't immediately hired as the live-in nanny. So she was trying to make money any way she could. Apparently, she was extremely broke. Had to live with roommates at a certain point, which I couldn't even imagine. <laughs> could you imagine Facebook Marketplace finding a roommate? Casey Anthony? No. I need another cigarette. But... She tried to write and publish a book, got blackballed from the entire publishing world. No publisher would ever want to work with her. And today she gives sporadic interviews and still maintains her innocence that she really, really has no idea what happened to Kaylee. And has said on the record, and I watched this in an interview this afternoon, I sleep pretty good at night. I sleep pretty good at night. Even if... For the for the, the giggles of it all, to say that Casey Anthony is innocent in all of this. Your daughter was viciously killed. You sleep pretty
0: good at night. She she has no remorse or no guilt or no Nothing. There's nothing in She her. never wanted that child. I mean, she never wanted to no, be a mom, absolutely clearly. Absolutely not. No. I love how I was like, yeah, I'll maintain neutrality. I was <laughs> like, she didn't want a kid. I just went full Nancy it, Grace. She never wanted to say, be a I was about to say, I was like,
1: I quite literally just saw a blonde sprout come I out of your head. I you, you went, felt it. I literally felt it. She never
0: wanted that child. She it's, never wanted it that was child. In you. Oh my God. Like my eye, Nancy my must have been eyebrow on this for like twitching. 10
1: years. Uh, I know. It's, it's insane. But that is. I will just conclude here and just say, to this day, the exact and official ruling of what happened to Kaylee Anthony is still labeled on paper as an unknown because there is no cause of death. And all those involved continue to walk free and without explanation for the senseless and horrific murder of a two-year-old girl in 2008. That is the final period in the story of Kaylee Anthony and how Casey Anthony probably got away with something horrible. Welcome back, everybody.
0: I like, literally want to <laughs> clap for Jeez. your research, but I'm like, I can't clap. Like, Please I, don't. She deserves I, nothing. I cannot. <laughs> I'm, I'm like just dead air on the other side side of this because I guess all I keep thinking of there's so there's so much evil and I don't even want to like say that out loud because I don't want to like speak that into existence but just this is beyond measure of like someone did something bad and mm -hmm. they got away with it this is someone did something bad they got away with it and they still don't think they did anything wrong or they're portraying that they didn't do anything wrong which is just like I can't yeah
1: at least we that's what we think In a lot of ways, some people have said, and I I read a lot about people thinking about this, there are some people who defend her non-guilty verdict for a different reason other than saying she's innocent. They say, no, she's absolutely guilty. But they made some kind of an argument, which I don't necessarily agree with, but they made an argument saying for her to not go to prison is actually a worse fate. Because Mm -hmm. she now exists within society without, she doesn't have, you know, four walls around her as a given. She can't work a normal job. She can't go anywhere. She lives among everyone as like a leper, you know? Like she's, Mm -hmm. she's an out, a true outcast, like exiled, but living within the confines of the world around her forever. That is her prison. She made her prison for herself. It's kind of a dark way to think about it, but there's no way that she can escape. The treatment she deserved for what she did.
0: Do we know where she lives now?
1: I don't. <laughs> Please, nobody go and find her. I and, know. And do anything. <laughs> don't put that on us.
0: I couldn't remember, like from that. I, I very briefly, I'm like, like
1: four, four eight Encino I know. Drive.
0: <laughs> I, I had that Hulu documentary on in the background whenever it came out, and I really should have paid more attention to it. But I, I couldn't watch couldn't it. I if really. She was in I mean, Florida, or if she was in. California. Like, I felt like it was something...
1: It would make sense that I guess she... I would assume she stayed in Florida. Oh, you know, I actually think she moved to Colorado for a little bit. I don't know why I thought that. I remember hearing she was trying to work as a photographer. Okay. Imagine getting your headshots done by Casey Anthony. Casey Anthony did my headshots.
0: I mean, the only... The only thing that she should go and do is become a monk and just live in solid solitary
1: solitude solitude
0: and like try to pray that you get yourself i'm not even like i'm a very spiritual person i'm not even like that like pray and get rid of your sins but you better go do some (laughs) like that right now 209
1: (laughs) (laughs) to it thank you i was already getting my my cursor out. I'm like, what's the time? What's the time? I hear it coming. But the thing is about this case, as horrific as it is to cover, I'm actually very happy that we did. That was really tough to get through. But it is a historic case to cover in the same way that, you know, covering John JonBenet Ramsey, even if you know the story, even if it's really difficult to get through, because the case has never seen justice, very much like how this one has not, it is important to keep talking about it. And not because it's an unsolved case in the way that, like, people will forget about it. Nobody's ever going to forget about Casey Anthony or Kaylee Anthony. They won't. But it is important to remind people of what happened here and what a miscarriage of justice this was. And I don't mean to try to, like, sound overly eloquent here or anything, but I really do feel like this was a very, very grim public demonstration of how the judicial system failed. Yeah. It really did fail. And somebody got away with something. Whether you think it was George or whether you think it was Casey, somebody got away with something because a little girl didn't get justice. And that's all I'll say on the Casey Anthony verdict.
0: And season two is back, y'all.
1: <laughs> that it is. I was like, can we go back to talking about Vegas? <laughs> can
0: we go back to talking about something else. How you doing? Oh, baby. Nancy, oh, thank you for sitting through that. That was a Nancy monster Grace, of a case. If she doesn't listen to Creep Chime, she better start listening now. It's all i Watch say. her
1: write us the most scathing review. I too. Like, f- find her way to Apple Podcasts and go, how could they? <laughs> they butchered the race.
0: <laughs> like, I could, <laughs> can, can you see it? I can hear it. I can absolutely see it. And I'll be like, baby, meet us at Smith & Walensky's for a tomahawk steak and we'll discuss <laughs> this. Well no. red'll be fine. <laughs>
1: yeah. Y'all, if creepers, if you guys have any inkling to want to start making like fake Nancy accounts and DMing us, please,
2: please do so
1: just for the just for the giggles of it. Cause like we'll know it's fake. Like I'll know it's fake, you'll know it's fake, but just for the humor <laughs> of it. And you could you could say things to it, like foul things to us. It's fine. As long as Nancy is the, the profile picture, we'll be of fine. course, of course. <laughs> How does she handle all this? How does Nancy sleep at night just like with all this kind of racking around in her brain? Is she good, do you think?
0: You know, I don't think she's good, but I will say (laughs) the thing I admire (laughs) about Nancy is that she, boy, does she stick to her truth. She, once she feels like something is off, she will stick with it. And I think that's probably why she's able to do this is because she just sticks to her damn guns and she doesn't really contemplate Mm -hmm. whether or not she looks at, you know, the facts and then she has her opinions (laughs) and then she
1: just runs with it. It's
0: yeah. Yeah.
1: No, it's true. In the court of Nancy Grace, the verdict is always correct. Always. It's what she feels. (laughs)
0: 100%.
1: And with, uh, creepers, I've got to wrap us up because we have taken too much of your time but we we just love spending time with you and we're so excited to be back. This Aww. is so this was such a great episode to come uh, back on. So really good. juicy, really meaty. Happy Creepers. we covered it. So one last thing, I guess we should just remind everybody the contest is going to be announced next week. Stu is going to pick at random one of our premium subscribers who will be gifted a year of premium for free. So we can't wait to we can't wait to do it. And with that, Stu, any final words? Should we say goodbye to everybody? Goodbye and good luck?
0: Goodbye and good luck. And we love y'all. And we're so excited to be back for season two. Season two. Bye, everybody. Bye.